How is everybody this morning? Good, good, I'm good. And welcome to those of you that are watching online. I'm sorry that we're not physically together, but it's good to have you here. So this morning, um, I'm going to be real honest with you. Um, the message that I had been trying to write for the past couple weeks um, would not come. It would not come. And um, I realized that it would not come because you don't need a message from me. You need a word from the Lord. So um, these are the words that he gave me, and I hope that you are excited to receive from him this morning, not me. Um, I'm sorry. I, my sinuses on the flight, like, all not good things, and I don't want to hack while I'm trying to speak to you. Okay, so, so our um, message this morning comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me if you don't. We got it right up there. So it says, the community continually committed themselves to learning what the apostles taught them, gathering for fellowship, breaking bread, and praying. Everyone felt a sense of awe because the apostles were doing many signs and wonders among them. There was an intense sense of togetherness among all who believed. They shared their material possessions and trust. They sold any possessions and goods that did not benefit the community, and they used the money to help everyone in need. They were unified as they worshipped at the temple day after day. In homes, they broke bread and shared meals with glad and generous hearts. And the new disciples praised God, and they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people of the city. Day after day, the Lord added to their number of everyone who was experiencing liberation. So, at this time in the Greek culture, it was very typical of um, antiquity groups to meet regularly. And they would usually do so monthly. They would get together, and they would have lunch. And that's nice, right? Once a month, you get together. You have lunch, you chat, you perform at your best, a little free hummus, and you go home and do your thing. That's nice, right? And then we see something completely different here. When the church starts, they're doing this, like, on the regular daily. They can't perform. They can't be at their best. It looks different. Why? It looks different because God calls us to be different. So the Bible asks us to set an example for the world. It's not the reverse. The, the world is not setting the example for us. We are to set an example for the world. We are to be the ones that do it different and live like Jesus. How? Why? I'll show you. In Genesis, verse 26, now let us, wait, let us, who's us? God the Father, Jesus the Son, Holy Spirit, right? Let us, let us conceive a new creation, humanity made in our image, there it is again, fashioned according to our likeness, and let us grant to them authority over all the earth, fish in the sea and birds in the sky, the domesticated animals and the small creeping creatures on the earth. So God did just that. He created humanity in his image. He created them female and male. God formed us in his image. And God's image is a community. In and of himself, God is a community. So notice the language, let us. So if God is a community, and then God forms us in a community, are you tracking with me? We might be built for community. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> 
So it is God that builds us and forms us this way. So, and before he creates us, if, if we were to look back in Genesis a little bit further, we would see that God creates according to his kind. You know, he creates, you know, the earth, and, and it's good, and he creates, and it's good, and he creates according to its kind, and it's good, and he creates according to its kind, it's good, and he creates according to its kind, and then he creates us. He creates humanity in his very image. This is what verse, where are we? Okay. So verse 26 says, now let us conceive a new creation Humanity made in our image, fashioned according to our likeness, and let us grant to them authority over all the earth, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the domesticated animals, and the small creeping creatures on the earth. Man, I love those small creeping creatures. Like dogs, you know. So God did just that. He created humanity in his image, and he created them male and female. So then when you read on, in verse 31, it says, Then God looked over all that he had made, said it was very good. So he created and it's good. He created and it's good. He created and it's good. He created humanity. Now he looks at the world with humanity in it and calls it very good. So we are made whole. We are made complete. We are made lacking nothing that we need to honor God with our lives. Do you see that? You're made whole. You're made complete. You're lacking nothing that you need to fulfill God's purpose in your life. That's you. That's you. So after all the good that God creates, it gets a little weird. Chapter 2, verse 18. It is not good for man to be alone. So I'll create a companion for him, a perfectly suited partner. So that's weird. It's good, it's good, it's good. Wait, not good. But God's intention is always for good, and he creates according to it. And I don't think I really have to tell you that the isolation that we experience in this world is not good. Think back 2020. That was not good. And the thing is, we can't completely erase 2020, right? Like we thought, once, once we get past that, once we get past this pandemic, it's going to be fine. We're going to be back together in community. And to some extent, we are, and that's amazing. But is there not still a part of us that feels some isolation? There's some places that we can't connect. We wish we could. So that's not good. But God created us very good. God created us very good to be a part of us. So it's very good to be us, but it's not good to not be known. It is not good to be isolated. And in the first two chapters, God goes on and explains how good good is. This is chapter 2, verse 25. He describes it this way. Adam and Eve were both naked and they felt no shame. You're like, what is happening? (laughs) That's a hard left turn, man. (laughs) So I'm not talking about physically, so we'll just set that over here. Move along. What I am talking about is to be fully known, to live fully exposed and feel no shame. That's perfection. That's the kingdom of heaven. To be fully known and to not feel any shame because it matters to be known. To be fully known and to not feel shame. To be known and to deal with those parts of our story where we do feel shame. Because the thing is, if we look at the New Testament, what we see is Jesus seeing people, right? Every interaction that Jesus has with people, he sees them. He sees the person 
that he interacts with, and he knows them. He says, I can truly see you. I, I know exactly how intricately and specifically you were wired and what the purpose is, and the plan is for your life, and I love you. And he loves not for what's been done, not for what's been performed. In fact, it's quite the opposite of that, right? Like we, we are loved in spite of our ghastly behavior. Romans 5.10 puts it this way. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son Jesus, much more being reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So you see, through the, through the fall and through every single one of our poor, selfish decisions, we set ourselves up as enemies of God. And what does God do? He comes close. He comes close and he looks at us and he loves us. And he loves us to the extent that he would willingly, completely, and intentionally place himself in our position and take the punishment that we deserve. Because we can't earn it, right? He just gives it. That's grace. And he gives his love so unimaginably, so abundantly, that even though we've done nothing to earn it, and even though we've done the quite opposite, it stands to be reason that God doesn't love you at your best. God just loves you. Just you. All of you. And that's shocking. Like, if you really think about it, that's shocking. I don't know about you, but um, when Jason and I were dating, well, fortunately, he knew me a long time before we were dating. But when we were dating, I made it a point to be pretty and charming. And then we got married. <laughs> I woke up yesterday morning not pretty or charming. <laughs> he stuck around. Thank you. Thank you for sticking around. But that's what we do, right? As humans, we want to set ourselves up to be our best, to perform our best, to be our best amongst people. But the problem is, is we can't truly connect because then what are you loving? You're loving the performance, right? So the thing is, with Adam and Eve, they were fully known, fully exposed in every way, and they were not ashamed do you know how important it is to be known by each other? I mean, I think that's something we forget, really easily forget. And it matters to be known because, because you need to be able to be authentic. And not just us being authentic, we need to be able to love others authentically when they don't show up at their best. When they show up and they are far less than lovely that day. Their attitude stinks. Their words are hurtful. Have you guys ever been there? Have you ever been in that position where, like, someone, you have this interaction with someone, and man alive, they step on your toes, and they hurt your feelings, and, you know, holy cow. So, I mean, we might have even experienced, like, a betrayal of another person, right? So here's the thing. Have you ever done that? Have you ever hurt someone else's feelings? Have you ever responded out of haste? Or, or you overreacted to a situation and, and your words caused hurt to someone else? Did you ever maybe make a promise that you failed to keep? Is it just me? It, I'm the only one that's done that? <laughs> because it, it's all of us, right? Like, that's who we are as humans. But I would like, in spite of all of that, I would like to challenge us to show up as we are and to not hide and to not be tempted to bring that really perfect version of ourselves and hide all the stuff behind us. 
because I don't want us to be tempted to perform all the time. And I don't want you to only feel loved by your presentation. And that was, that was ultimately the problem in the garden. Like, Adam and Eve messed up, and so then they felt the need to hide from the Lord. But then the Lord didn't let them hide. The Lord came after them and pursued them. And they no longer experienced, though, that vulnerability, that, that, that complete exposure without any shame. But we have to remember, God loves us, not our performance. And, and I, don't think, I don't think we're ever going to be able to fully relate to this, but I think that, that if we can get past loving people just when it's easy to love, I think we can take a solid step in the right direction. And if we can consistently remember that we were once an enemy to God. We were formed for community. We were formed by God, and we were formed for community. And he doesn't stop there. He forms Adam and Eve, and then he forms a generation. He forms a man, and he forms a family, and he creates a people group, and that people group fill, or he creates the temple, and he fills the temple with himself, right? And then, and then God forms himself inside the womb of Mary, and then Jesus comes and, and gathers a people group around him, the 12 disciples, right? And he says, here's the plan. Here's the plan. Remember that, that I am going to be with you always, and I'm going to fill you with my life. And he fills us with something that we don't deserve because that's the beauty of grace. We don't deserve it. We can't get to him. So he comes to us. That's the good news, right? Do you remember we talked about that a couple months ago? We have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then there's Acts. And Acts is the thing that happens next. Remember, like, Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples, and he's like, I am with you always, and goodbye. And you're like, what the what? You know, he gives the great commission, not the great suggestion, Right? Okay? And so then that's when the Spirit comes, and the Spirit comes and fills the church with its power, with its Spirit. River Tree, that's you. That's you. You're the church. He forms a people group, fills them with his Spirit. God formed you on purpose to be a group. And then he fills you with everything you need to function in this. You are filled with the Spirit upon receiving Christ. And you were not only formed for community, but you are also filled with life, with God's life. But we have to make sure we get the order right. So in Romans, we're going to start uh, Romans 12, starting in chapter, or starting in verse 4. For as one body, we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of another. So this is talking about the everything that we do in response. Everything that we do in response to grace, the unmerited favor, the unearned blessing. And it's challenging us to not conform to this world, to stand out. But did you catch the instruction in the preceding verse, in verse 3? For by grace given to me, I say, everyone among you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. But think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to you. Hmm. So first of all, recognize that all is grace. 
because the fact is we deserve to be alone and isolated in the corner because of our choices that we've made, because of how we have harmed people, because of how we have fallen so short of the glory of God. And Paul says that you're to be humble because of the faith that God gave you. Your faith is a gift. Your faith is a gift from God. Verse 4, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. Your gift is to bless others. Your difference, good, good, good. You might say, I don't fit in, good, good. However, don't buy into the lie that there's nobody here like you. Because while you might not fit in, you absolutely belong. It's God's perfection that unifies us. So we're talking about community. But can I put a more concise word to it? We're talking about friendship. And I'm going to be really honest with you. Friendship is not easy. What was that joke you gave us a couple weeks ago that, that the real miracle was that Jesus had 12 friends in his 30s, right? Uh-huh. You have to be intentional. It takes time. It takes showing up when you're too tired and you're too busy. <laughs> yeah. But we're the body. We're the body formed by God, filled with his life, undeserving to do our part because we're Christ embodied. So are we obeying the most obvious truths in Scripture? Are we devoting ourselves to prayer and teaching and fellowship? Can I ask you something? You don't have to answer out loud. When was the last time you had somebody over for dinner? If it's been longer than a month, why? You know, I think the reason that the Lord laid this on my heart is because this is something that I have recently been challenged with. Um, a good friend of mine has been speaking to us uh, about his thoughts on, on community and what the Lord is telling him on, on the, the topic. And um, that guy is my friend, John. And, um, and, and then this, this is my spiritual formation group. And so John has been sharing with us what has been on his heart for community. And he's, I mean, he's been very, I'm gonna, he's been very in our face about it. And, and he has been uh, personally challenged and, and therefore kind of challenging us. And, and so John is about my age. Well, maybe a couple years younger. He's about my age. And we, uh, we grew up watching 90s sitcoms. Does anybody remember the 90s sitcoms, right? Okay. And, and you always had, like, like, the kooky friend next door that, like, made themselves a part of your home, you know. And, and, and there was this constant back and forth. And, and this relationship was very fluid and established. And it was no big thing. Um, John brought, that, <laughs> brought this kind of extreme example to my attention. And I, I started thinking, um, yeah. I think we are actually called to that. I think we are actually called to live life in a closer-knit community than what we do. I think that my door should be far more revolving than what it is. And so I started praying, and I was like, God, you know what? Like, this is on my heart. Like, I actually do want this kind of community. Like, would you please give it to me? And, and like, seriously, I think I actually heard... God audibly laugh because he was like, <laughs> I have. 
<laughs> would you wake up and please see the community before you? And, and as it turns out, like, he brought very specifically to mind this family that lives directly across the street from us. And this, this family, like, it's weird. They actually want to be our friends. And, and like, they'll invite us to come over and go swimming all the time, or, or they'll have extra tickets to a concert, and they call us, or, or they show up at the local restaurant, and, and they're like, come up and join us. You know, we're here, or whatever. And, and so Jason and I started kind of trying to make this thing, like, let's not be ready for company. Let's just get together. Because the fact of the matter is, like, we all have dishes in our sink, right? We all have laundry that's undone. We all have, I mean, if you're like me, you have a perpetual stack of books and papers on the counter that you're going to get to one day eventually, and when you get through one of them only to find there's, like, two more in its place. And um, Have you heard that term? It's called scruffy hospitality. And it's just the concept of this is just who we are, and we all know everybody else is this way too, because none of us have live-in housekeepers. You know, I mean, that's the only way everybody keeps their house perfect all the time, is if, or they dedicate their lives to it, which that's not happening. So, <laughs> but I've been working on this. Jason and I have been working on this, and we're, and we're not there yet, but we're making intentional strides on this topic. But but when God used this friend to bring this concept to the forefront. It just, it reminded me of something that I actually heard this week. That discipleship is not something that is added to your calendar. It's something that's already on your calendar. Okay, it's adding somebody to what is already on your calendar. So, so like this, like, like you eat dinner on the regular, right? Okay, Chris does. Um, so, when you're having dinner, what if you just happen to make an extra portion and invite somebody to join you? Like, spaghetti noodles and sauce from a jar is fine. My, my favorite line is like, hey, do you want to come over for charcuterie? And it sounds super bougie and elegant, but do you know what charcuterie means? It means I take out a giant freaking plate and I fill it with whatever's left in my fridge. I will take like three slices of ham and like chop it into triangles and be like, oh, it's pretty, you know? We have one apple, whoa, it's gonna go on there. We have half a jar of pickles, whoa, you know? Uh, you know stale crackers, you know, slice up some bread, whatever. Like that's charcuterie, it's whatever's left in my fridge. You guys are never gonna come over for charcuterie now, are you? <laughs> Don't spill my secret. But that's all it is, that's all it is. So I just wonder, would you maybe do something this morning? Would you maybe just kind of pray and just humbly seek where God wants you to serve and what community God wants you to engage in? Just his direction, just God's direction. Just see what's around you. Let's pray.